0: Yes. It was, we talked about so many things. Mm-hmm. I think the main
1: thing we talked about though was authenticity yeah. and being, being yourself and kind of learning to be yourself mm-hmm. and how that can be really, that can be a key to finding
0: readers mm-hmm. because
1: that resonate with you and your writing. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah. I, I agree with him one, 100% on that. And, uh, you know, I may share too much with my readers, but, uh, <laughs> but I think that authenticity and just being your true self in your writing and in, in how you deal with your readers is always the best. Yeah. Yeah. We also, he
1: talked about right learning to write short stories. That was mm-hmm. how he got
0: started mm-hmm. and
1: um, talked about writing different genres and some of the things he'd learned by mm-hmm. switching around. So, yeah. yeah,
0: really good stuff. this time. Yeah, it was great. What's yeah. going on with you this week? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what
1: day it is. Um, we, we are moving. So that means we put our house on the market and we've had showings and we have it under contract. So now, I mean, it's just everything's going really fast. And it's yeah. partly because here in Houston, it's just a seller's market right now, mm-hmm. which is great. But it's like we're running around like, Doing mean, touch-up paint and yeah. fixing things, you know. So, but I have been able to to think a little bit about mm-hmm. the um, next book that I'm going to write, and it's going to be a new series. Mm-hmm. It's another historical, and I have this like I have the kind of the framework and the idea, but I did not know how was, how to start it. Started. Mm-hmm. And I kept going back and forth and back and forth about maybe I should do this scene, maybe I should do this. But then yesterday, I was like, oh. I know what it is Mm -hmm. and it's like I can actually see the scene playing in my mind and Mm -hmm. the others would have been fine but like instinctively I was like that's just not that's not it it's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. not the one and so now I feel like I actually have a beginning which is good Mm -hmm. so that when everything calms down maybe I can get right back to writing so but that's That's it yeah not a lot of writing is being done right now right so that's okay yeah
0: okay yeah. you own your own business you can do what's that's fine. right yeah you can take a day off or two that's right. if i need to if that's i need right. to pack out the garage Ugh, that's the worst <laughs> oh my gosh that, that just gives me like a little nauseous feeling in my stomach you know. me me too i'm not coming to help i'm just letting <laughs> you know so i wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on <laughs> anyone else uh, oh, so what about gosh. you what are you doing oh lordy uh i posted in the uh facebook group that you know i was on the struggle bus uh, i think that was monday i have struggled this week it's just been just a struggle and i, yeah. I mean talking about this authenticity i could sit here and tell you that you know i'm just getting being so productive and getting everything done but i'm not so <laughs> um i'm working on it I'm. Um, i have read a lot and i've listen to a couple of books i'm listening to uh amy dawes who was one of our mm-hmm. guests um uh, her book replay she, she did a duet narration uh-huh. which yeah. means within the same chapter i mean it's like a movie you know i mean right. the guy says the guy part and the girl says the girl part and it's so interesting i did not think i would like that kind of narration i thought mm-hmm. it would be um too much but mm-hmm. it's really great really great yeah yeah Um, and then I have binged Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Yeah. It was very good. I did not read the books, so I don't know. I think it's different. I think people have said it's different. I think so, yeah. But I really, really liked it a lot. Yeah. 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 So will you go back and read and read the books? No, I don't think so because a lot of people have said they like the Netflix move the Netflix show better than the books. And I'm already um Kind of in a series, sort of similar to that. Only it's mm-hmm. it's different. But you know, so I probably want a Y series, which I don't yeah. love all the time. Y series, mm-hmm. um, but this one is actually the one I'm doing. Jennifer Armentrout's uh, series mm-hmm. is very good. Um, but I did um, really really like that. And then big news today. It's not writing news, so y'all can calm down. But um, big, <laughs> I is <was> like, "What?" <laughs> big news is um, that uh, Sanderton, Sanderton on Masterpiece Theater yes. is PBS, they're coming back for a season two and a season and three. Three, yeah, yes. yes.
1: so excited because yes. they
0: really left us hanging on season one, yes. and well, they and were saying they weren't going to renew it. But, but don't you uh, don't Bridgerton. you think they, they looked at Bridgerton and went, mm-hmm. uh huh, yes, let's yes, read this. <laughs> yes, they did. They did, in fact, do that. Um, did I talk about my audio book on here? No. Oh, tell us, well, tell that all. is big news. Then I guess. Yeah. Um. So I did my own audiobook this time. I mean, I, I did it you, myself. Um, I didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. I paid for it up front. And, um. So I have Aiden Snow. And uh, Virginia Rose are the narrators, they're great romance narrators. And um, I got the final files back last week, I listened to them, it's so great. I mean, it's just you know, it's just you just are like, makes you happy, doesn't it? Yes, it just makes you happy. And so, I got a pre order set up for that, which will be May the. 19th, yeah, May 19th for the pre order and June 2nd release. So, um, I'm very happy about that. That's nice. good, that's something I've done this week, yeah. I guess I could say. yeah. But you know, I like
1: it's it interesting because I like I feel like I've not written any new words, mm-hmm. but I have all these projects going, I have things translations in the works, mm-hmm. and I'm working on you know that mystery reader's journal thing, mm-hmm. and so like that's all ongoing. I discount that, like you were Mm -hmm. saying. Oh, I have done audiobook, you know, released an audiobook. So, well, and I have
0: been working on my ads this week too, because you know, with the iOS changes, Mm -hmm. it's affected. Plus, Sky Warren's doing her class right now, Mm -hmm. and um, I'm not doing the class. But every time she does the class, the 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 ads market gets a little crowded and so it drives cost per click up. So I'm having to look at all of that. And so I don't know if it's Skye's class, you know, for romance doing that, or if it's the iOS changes, just changes. Yeah. Yeah. So just looking at stuff like that and trying to talk to people and see what is going on, but um, yeah. And that's what I've been doing. So, yeah. All right. Well, nothing, I mean, nothing terribly interesting. So let's get on to the interview, which yeah. is very interesting.
1: Yes. So here is Daniel Wilcox. So this week, we're really happy to have Daniel Wilcox with us. Hi, Daniel. How are you?
2: Hello. I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, we're so glad you're here. This is going to be exciting. Yeah.
1: So let me read your bio. Daniel Wilcox is an international best-selling author, award nominated podcaster, book coach, and speaker. Dan writes dark fiction spanning the genres of horror, post-apocalyptic, and sci-fi. He is the co-host of the Next Level Authors podcast with Sasha Black, and he is furiously passionate about helping authors tell
0: the stories they're dying to. I love oh, that bio. Ma-
2: makes me sound really good.
0: Yeah, I love. That. <laughs> That's a great bio. Well, Daniel, tell us how you got into writing.
2: Oh, so I I always feel a bit guilty um, because I I'm not one of the writers who was always grew up on when I want to be a writer. It wasn't like it was one of those things that I always thought. I was always attracted to writing and I was always a reader of, of fiction um, but it, was, it wasn't something that was on my radar mostly because I never thought I, the, the paths to become a writer I thought seemed really difficult and convoluted and it seemed very very far away from what I did growing up and it wasn't until uh, my son was born back in 2014 that the idea of becoming a writer first came to me because I I studied English and drama at university. Um, Around that time I was teaching free running and parkour and going out and doing lots of coaching sessions and Mm -hmm. and, and helping kids flip off rooftops. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up breaking my wrist and having to pull out of that profession. So my head went to what can I do that utilizes my university degree and keeps me within that sort of realm of, of English. And I stumbled onto proofreading and copy editing for non-fiction um, clients and I don't know I started to get to know the publishing process I started to really enjoy uh, going through and sort of reading other people's work Mm -hmm. but my friend in Christmas of 2014 bought me a short story collection from Stephen King called Everything's Eventual and I'd read some King before um, but I'd never read any short stories and I was just I was just blown away by the diversity of the stories the the sort of possibilities it, it gave because they were such short interactions with characters mm-hmm. but I was just engrossed by the stories and you know obviously people have their opinions on Stephen King I'm very much in the I love him camp mm-hmm. um, even if his books are a bit too long <laughs> and just the seed started going of oh maybe like I've enjoyed this so much maybe this is something that I could experiment with and it was literally the year my son was born and I think I I think a large part of it is that's that initial surge of when you become a new parent of what can I do to show my son the beauty of life what is the legacy (laughs) that I'm gonna leave and so and so I kind of just went you know what let let me try it and I had downtime's the wrong word because I basically had downtime during the job I was doing at the time Mm -hmm. so I put my hands to writing I played around with a fantasy book, which was way too big for me at the time, and I, you know, I spent about two months just trying to work out whether it's going to be first person or mm-hmm. third person mm-hmm. or, or you know all that kind of like um, stuff that you do at the <laughs> beginning. And in just a weird flash of uh, inspiration, I guess I turned it all around and just started this new story about. Uh, it was based out in the old west. It was about this smoke demon. It was about this sort of cowboy in this tavern, um, and I wrote a, a sixteen thousand word novella called *Sins of Smoke*. And I stumbled across uh, the KDP, Amazon's KDP, and went, oh, I'm going to throw this, just see what happens, throw it on online. And it went to number one in the horror short story charts of Halloween 2015, that was. Wow. And that's quite a nice, encouraging moment to be yes. like, oh, okay, let's keep this going. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. kind of how it started for me.
0: Yeah. This is yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> there's, viable. Yes, it's a
2: way that this works.
0: That's so interesting about when you said that it's <laughs> – yeah. uh, the story was too big for you. You know, I mm-hmm. never considered that. I'm like you, I didn't grow up writing. So I never considered that, but my, one of my critique partners kind of, she taught me to write frankly, but um I was telling her about the story that I had and it's about these sisters and I have sisters and all this. And she said, that is such a great idea. I think it may be too big of a story for you. To, you're not, you're just not ready to handle that Mm. right this minute and she was right I mean she wasn't being critical she was just saying yeah focus in on something that you know you can get done and accomplish and then as you get better Mm -hmm. and you learn story more and you learn how to weave stories together then you can do a big thing like that but
2: yeah yeah I think that was the big the the big part of that because I went from I mean you know you've never written a book before so let's plan this three book epic fantasy trilogy um and yeah I struggled I struggled a lot at the beginning uh, just to try and establish a character like I had an idea of what I wanted the world to be um but I think that was why the the novella just Mm -hmm. took off for me because it was okay I've wrapped this up you know there was a lot of editing that like self-editing rounds and rounds that were unnecessary but yeah it was something that you could start Mm -hmm. and finish quite quickly um and then to be to be honest for the next year or so it was mostly focusing on short stories for me before I even even started with novels and that helped me learn craft and sort of a bit more of nuances of character and hooks and, and that kind of thing. Right.
0: right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've, I have a hard time with short stories and I have heard that, I mean, I think it is a great way to hone your craft, mm-hmm. but I don't read short stories that much. I read novels. And so I've always wanted to write a novel. So that's what mm-hmm. I tackled first. But I think that there would be a lot of benefits to starting with short stories and novellas to kind of. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I've got um, a lot of people who, Start. I think uh, I always forget whether it's. I think it's either the Ray. it's the Ray Bradbury challenge, maybe, um which is writing one short story a week for fifty-two weeks, and the whole ethos behind that being that you can't write fifty-two bad short stories. Like one or two of them has to be good. So at the end of the year, you come out with something that is <laughs> tangible that you can then you know market and take out. But it is uh, it's an art. But I think it depends what type type of person you are as well because some people love the idea of the novel because obviously you can really get your teeth into the story you can really get behind the characters and explore that world um but for some people it's Mm. a case of you know those short stories are a great way just to achieve something and just to write the end and sometimes you need that sort of kickstart before you even get up to novels to know that okay I can finish a story and then novella and expand it from there but everyone's got their own sort of path that they take to to get there
1: yeah mm. the boost of completion of of finishing something is huge yeah Well, what is your definition of success and has it changed as you've been? I don't
2: know that it's changed. I think um, I've always made a point of writing my stories and and everything that I do within my writing career, it being for me, first and foremost. Um, And that's the same in my fiction as it is in my nonfiction. With my fiction, it's a case of I write the stories that I want to tell the ones that I want to read. And then because I'm arrogant I just assume that other people are going to read that um but no I I I genuinely believe that you know with 7.6 billion people in the world or whatever it is now that you know if you write a story there's gonna be someone out there that likes what you're doing even if it is poorly edited even if it's sort of a bit rough around the edges like you you can't statistically have 7.6 billion people hate Mm -hmm. your work so I I write for me I write for the type of books that I enjoy and yeah that that sort of kept me going a lot so um, and, and similarly with my non-fiction I I write my non-fiction for the person that I was two or three years prior who needed mm-hmm. the, the book that I'm writing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get past the problems that yeah. I've had yeah. so I don't think you can ever answer everyone's questions but in terms of in terms of success I for me it's just been am I enjoying it and am I having some kind of impact whether that's um, readers enjoying it like we it doesn't happen often and thank God for that. But I do get a lot of, or a few emails from people where they'll say I'm a cancer survivor or I'm like in some horrendous place in the hospital. And even though I write Horace, which, you know, casts questions on, on this next bit, <laughs> but they will say this has taken me out of my pain yeah. and it has, <laughs> you know, given me something else to focus on. Um, so it's having an impact there. And then with the sort of all the services I offer in the nonfiction stuff, it's how am I helping other writers get over those hurdles that for me or for other people would have taken like a year or two, And it takes him like a couple of weeks, like, how am I positively impacting Mm -hmm. people? And that's, that's never really changed. That's never wavered. It's never for me been a case of, you know, how much money can I make? How many awards can I win? It's, am I enjoying what I'm doing? And is it sort of having that positive impact that I want to have? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I um, heard something this week of somebody I follow online and he was in the music business in the last five years, really hasn't produced any music at all, but Just had a baby. They just had a baby, and he said, "You know, I start. I wanted to do something for them, and when I started thinking about what I could do for other people, then the the desire to create music came back again. And I just thought that was that's so true. I do write the stories I want to write, but like you said, I mean, doing for other people really can inspire you and and uh, Mm -hmm. and create a good sense of satisfaction uh, for your. You know for success so I think that's awesome
2: yeah. yeah there's a difference between sitting in a cupboard and knowing that you're just writing the stories and you're right. the only reader and enjoying the process mm-hmm. and you know opening that door and knowing that other people mm-hmm. can enjoy it too and I think you know it's different stages in the beginning it was very much more mm-hmm. for myself but as I've gone through my career and as I've reached more people that that need sort of grows wider as I go and I become more aware of what I'm putting out and how it impacts mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. but I, I do love that I, I definitely think that if you're ever struggling to find your creative mojo, who can you pin that on to like make their mm-hmm. life better? So if you've got like a sister, uncle, nephew, like yes. friend who you know you can just put a bit of something in their way that they might enjoy, then that gives mm-hmm. you that purpose to keep going. And it's you know external yes. from yourself. I
1: think that's great. Mm-hmm. Take some of the pressure off, yeah, because you're thinking about them and not yeah changes your and it gives pictures. you a physical
2: yes. someone as well rather yes. than yes. sitting down and going who's this going to reach? It's like it's mm-hmm. that no. person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, having that avatar. Yeah in your head of who mm. your reader is or,
2: you know, that always helps.
0: Well, what do you wish you'd known about writing and craft?
2: Um, so I think the biggest thing when I started out, I mean, it's, it's always messy getting into this, this business. Um, everyone has their own sort of route, whether like you've wanted to be a writer all your life or you stumble into it, or you're just experimenting, whether you like feel like you've got some skill or talent um, innately in you anyway. But when I, I started out, I'd written that novella, um I shortly after joined up with three other writers to create a story studio called and Cleaver and from there we started producing the other stories podcast which is horror fiction that goes out every Monday and still goes out every Monday to this day um and then from there I ended up collaborating with one of those guys on a, a non-fiction podcast similar to um similar to this podcast to be honest it was the two of us who would bring people mm-hmm. on we'd interview and one of the things I found very very early on was I very much felt the need to be the authority mm-hmm. so there wasn't much credit to my name like we, things were starting to grow and you know we, we're having some kind of um we're building an audience but I I, I listen back to those early episodes and I'm very much a person that is trying to talk mm-hmm. the talk and it's very much like oh this with craft and then when I do this and this and this and in hindsight it's really disingenuous because I am it, it might not be as obvious to other people but I can tell based off who I am that like I'm fighting to be knowledgeable rather than just sitting there and going full transparency. This is the limit mm-hmm. of what I know. This is the stuff I'm learning. Cause I think one of the biggest obstacles that I found just in writing in general, from listening to these kinds of podcasts from working with writers on sort of different levels is there does seem to be a blanket over what writing is and what the actual process is like, because you get the superstars, you get your, your Mark mm-hmm. Dawson, you get your Joanna pens like all, all out there and they're, they're doing amazing things. Um, But then you get some authors that are doing amazing things and it's like, you know, it was easy for him. Like, oh, I just ran ads and now I'm rich or like Mm -hmm. I did this. And they never talk about the grind. They never talk about, you know, the balance between trying to write and, you know, family life. And around the beginning, um, I was engaged to um, my former partner and trying to do that on top of writing and on top of like uh, running a new child, (laughs) Um, (laughs) raising raising. Oh, yeah it feels but, like, like raising that, right? a child, um, <laughs> there were so many things that i mean arguably right or wrong like i i hid from all those stresses from the reality but i think that the further through my career i've gotten the more transparent the more honest and open i've been with who i am and what my journey actually right. looks like um it just seems to reach writers much more strongly and give people permission to say i haven't been blessed with these circumstances mm. but then there are people struggling who are still making a go right. of it I mean, I said to you guys before we started recording, like at the minute, I'm currently living with my parents because um, I moved away from where my son and my ex live to save up money so I could buy a house. And it's very transitionary and it's all positive. It's all fine. It's all working out. But that's one of those things that lots of people would kind of like just hide and throw away and just pretend and like bluster and say, oh, everything's fine. Like I'm doing X, Y, Z. Um, So I think just in the beginning, I wish I'd been more transparent because in being transparent and in showing people sort of the true me, that's really when things started happening mm-hmm. for me. Um, when you know my off services started to kick off, when my nonfiction started to do better. It was it all came from people coming to me and seeing that like the person I am on camera is the same off camera. Right. And rather than having that jarring like sometimes, and I'm not gonna ever name names at this point, but sometimes you'll have people who are super professional everything on their website. And then it's so jarring to see who they actually are when you sort of go behind the curtains, but like with me, what you see Mm -hmm. is what you get. And that's been a bit of a journey to get to this point and to be comfortable with that. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I think people respond to realness and authenticity. So, I mean, we're afraid to show that sometimes, but that's, those are the things because people identify with it. You know, I I think.
2: Mm. But I always wonder why we're afraid of that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah. Because it's, it's, I think it's people think it's a reflection okay. of themselves in a way it is but again all you're doing is allowing other mm-hmm. people permission to know that that's you know a reality of but, what this is
1: yeah yeah I think transparency I think that's the key is you show who you really are but I think it's difficult because that underneath I personally I'm afraid people if I show who I am they'll go mm-hmm. oh well you don't know anything or why would you, you know, mm-hmm. set yourself up mm-hmm. to write this nonfiction book? Because I know so much more than her. So I feel mm-hmm. like there's like the fear of judgment there for me personally. But if I think about it as I'm going to, like you were saying, like, I'm going to share this with mm-hmm. you. This is what I've learned. Take it. I hope it helps you. Mm-hmm. Then, then I can do it. Yeah. Very- yeah. I
2: think it's a bit of, um, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a way of thinking. I think for me, it comes back as well to that. If you write a story for yourself, you're going to hit someone in that populace of people and, um, I, I spent a good deal of probably seven years working in the marketing team and, and leading and sort of rising up through those ranks. And one of the biggest lessons that I found from that was that you the best way to create a sustainable long term business in this industry or any kind of industry where you're putting yourself on the line like we are, um, is to find the people, the right people for you and the right people that resonate with you. And sometimes that is a case of, you know, people you, accepting that people won't always like right. what you do but just finding those right people to pull in. So for a very small example, I've um, been updating my website recently and uh, I use something like the word like ass kick or like get your ass in the chair or something. And I ran it past some author friends just to be like, here's a site, like am I missing anything like a bit of feedback? And one of them said, Oh, you might not want to use the word ask because that that puts people off Mm -hmm. from, um, you know, certain people off because they don't like those kind of words. And for me, that was a deliberate decision because if you don't like that, then you're not Mm going to like me. And I don't want you like in the kindest of ways, like I'm not going to force you to go into an environment when you're not not
0: a good fit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think it's okay to be that in the beginning. It's harder because obviously you're, you're trying to build that audience and you want Mm -hmm. everyone because you've, you've got Mm -hmm. no one, but then the bigger that gets, the more you can Mm -hmm. take those um, for want of better word (laughs) liberties and, and groom it a bit more so that it fits what you're trying to do.
1: Because you can't be for everyone; it's just impossible. And then you you really do want the people that you have an affinity with, and you know that's how you do it is by showing who you are through your website and you know everything you do. So mm-hmm. you mentioned marketing, mm-hmm. so that's a good segue <laughs> to the next one. Um, the next question: What do you wish you had known about marketing?
2: Uh, I think. I think a lot of my answers are going to link quite strongly together but in terms of yes um, it's
1: good give us a theme
2: yeah no I think (laughs) I I think it comes back to Mm -hmm. this idea of personal brand and um, finding the right people for you because again in the beginning it was a Mm -hmm. case of I was running podcasts to find certain people. I was writing books and trying to find certain people and trying to find those right places. Um, and sort of a tangible example that I use a lot with some of my coaching clients is when it comes to your mailing list, there are a lot of people out there who are much more fixated on the number of the people have on the list rather right. than the, the number of people that convert to actual engagement interactions and learning to read the right numbers, whether that's social media, mailing lists, sort of website analytics, whatever it is, uh is, is a very big thing because for me if I have 10,000 people on my mailing list and I have one percent of them buy a book when I put out a book blast I say here's a new thing that's this is gonna be terrible mass. I'm oh god, I'm already <laughs> hurting myself it's a hundred people 10 people don't,
0: don't 10 people
2: it's a number I hate people it when I do that when I start I, an analogy
0: and go I, I can't finish thousands. this <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I think I'm right so someone's gonna message you guys and then you can update me but I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is right so numbers aren't my strong point the point is if you have a list of 10,000 people and 1% of them buy I believe that's 10 uh, 100 people that are going to buy your book if you have a, a list of a thousand people which is 9,000 people less and mm-hmm. 30% of the people buy your book that's 300 people and that's a market Correct. difference yeah. for less effort right. in finding those people and it's it, it's very very important to Recognise that the people who are coming into your Mm -hmm. audience—it takes effort to get people across that line. So a lot of people tend to spend a lot of time funneling people in and Mm -hmm. funneling people in and funneling people in—the right people, the wrong people—they don't know. But if you can work on bringing in the right people, so not just if you're a fantasy author swapping with like romance or lit RPG just for the sake of numbers, like Mm -hmm. find the people that Mm -hmm. want to read the stuff that you're writing because it will last you so much better in the long term. But then the second part of that is a large number of people don't focus on the people they've already brought into their audience. And it serves you so well in the long run. If you can keep those, if you can keep those fans and it's, it's really easy to do that. Mm -hmm. It's a case of like just giving them first point of news, just offering them discounts, Mm -hmm. just asking how they are, just giving them sort of this inner access Mm -hmm. because the effort it takes to keep them is never the effort it takes to like get them in the first place. Right. So it's about, bringing in the right people it's about training the audience as well for the kind of stuff that you want to do so another example of that being that if mm-hmm. you spend all of your time giving mm-hmm. away free books the people who are on your mailing list are going to want free books and are less likely not always like it's not always like a hundred percent cut but they're much less likely to buy your books because they know you as a free book person right. um similarly if uh, oh i've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs>
0: We're <laughs> talking like- about training, training your readers.
2: Training your readers. So yeah, it's oh so yeah, thank you. So when it comes to like releases as well, um I became known over the last couple of years as a very fast release person. Mm-hmm. Um last year alone I wrote 26 works. Wow. Um and put those out across my own stuff and ghostwriting as well. And I'm now getting out of that model because if you train people to expect a book every two, three, four weeks or every two months or whenever it is. And it's not a pace that you're comfortable with keeping. You've trained your audience to expect that. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't, you're then disappointing them. Right. So now I'm being much more deliberate with, okay, you can expect a release once every few months maybe just to ensure that like I can keep up with the pace mm-hmm. and I can deliver what I want to be delivering without that pressure. Right. So I think the key, the key takeaway really is as the author, a lot of the times we feel very out of control mm-hmm. with who we sell our books to and how we get there. But if you're deliberate, if you know what you're looking for, and if you take the time to cultivate the right people, it's all down to you. You're training people as to what to expect from you, and you're giving them the content that you want to do. It's all in your hands.
1: Mm -hmm. You're setting expectations, like on your release date and your pricing and your sales. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason I usually only discount my first, maybe first or second book in a series. I'll discount that, but I don't discount the rest. And I know other people do it differently. But in my mind, I've thought, I don't want people to expect that every book in this series will eventually go on sale. I want I want to have mm-hmm. readers who are happy to pay me and you know mm-hmm. that they understand mm-hmm. that this is I do it cuz I love it, but it's also my work and my income. And so mm-hmm. I need some yeah. need some support. <laughs> and, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that they're out there as well. Um because I, I have a few friends. There's all these like piracy sites mm-hmm. that go out, and like I've had a few friends who's like audiobooks have ended up on YouTube or all these different sites. And I've, <laughs> I had a, an author recently, young in his career, reach out and tell me that my books were on this pirate site, and really, really concerned. And for me, I don't care because, of course, I don't want to be on there. Mm-hmm. But the people who are getting the book from there aren't going to buy mm-hmm. my book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So let them have
0: yeah. it. Yeah, that's sort of my. Uh, has been my philosophy. It, 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 it does grind my gears so though. I will tell mm. you, but it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, but when mm. you were talking about marketing and getting the right people, I love that because I've said many times that marketing is much, is as much about repelling the wrong people as it is about yes. attracting the right people. And there are, been a couple of romance authors who've gotten one star reviews that are like, "This book is the raunchiest thing I've ever read. It's full of swearing. It's full of sex." And and they've used that as an ad because that yeah. that book, I mean that review repels the wrong people and attracts the right people. And um, I yeah, love it when people. I do, do too. That. I do too.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I've never I've never gotten one of those, but uh, yeah, I love it when they do that because I just. I think that that you're you're giving a very clear message about what your book is about. So, yeah. Yes. So, what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career, and looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong?
2: I think the biggest assumption was that being an indie author, especially, mm-hmm. um, was going to be competitive and very, very dog eat dog. And I think you know certain circles definitely are a bit more frictiony um and a bit more sort of scarcity mindset but for the most part i'm i've been pleasantly overwhelmed from the start over how friendly people are on groups on sort of chats like at conferences mm. and just how general people are g- generous people are with their knowledge um i've been to a fair few conferences where just the information that people are happy to give away and just share with people it's just invaluable and you think in other industries it's very behind closed doors like you don't want to give these secrets away because it's going to ruin everyone. it's going to ruin your business and, and this but it's not I think there's it's one of those it's one of these industries where there really is a place for everyone to at least have a stab at it and try and build that audience and, and get known as a writer and yeah it was just it was just a pleasant surprise to like I've, I, I have a bit of a, a tendency to reach out to random authors and ask for advice when I see they're doing certain things I'm like mm, this is interesting yeah and I mean there's definitely a right and a wrong way to ask people mm-hmm. and I think in the beginning I might have been a bit too uh brash and that's honed over time but yeah now it's a case where most of the time people will sort of hit back and, and just be very very generous with oh well you know use this resource or check this out this is what I did like pat on the back good luck on your journey and yeah it's just it's just a really really nice environment to be around yeah
0: I agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If I'm ever feel if I'm ever in an environment where I feel that compete, like you can just feel when people are consider you, you know, competition. Even if you don't necessarily write the same thing, I mean, it's just that mindset. I just yeah. slowly back out of those places. And if I ever start feeling very competitive and stuff, I <laughs> always stop and go, "What is going like? What is going on?" Because yeah. this is not the environment. That I've created this yeah. is not the people that the people I love and that I trust do not have this mindset so there's something going on with me if that's how I'm mm-hmm. feeling so yeah.
2: yeah yeah I think a really good example of this is uh when I I released a book called collaboration for authors last mm-hmm. year which is literally sort of because I've spent a lot of time collaborating with other authors on podcasts and books and things and you know I'm not new I'm not like I'm not creating recreating the will with collaboration um you've got people like Joanna Penn and Jay Thorne have a book on collaboration Mm -hmm. Craig Martell has a book on collaboration and I actually reached out uh, to Jay who did the forward for collaboration for authors and Craig Martell actually is included in the book itself Mm -hmm. with sort of like quotes and bits and pieces on his journey and there was never a case of you know well I've written this book so you can't it was just a case of okay what's your take on this and and how are you going to run it so like three of three books that essentially cover a lot of similar points but in our own viewpoints which I think will reach different audiences anyway
0: yes yeah because you have you have a very different personality than Jay and Craig I Mm -hmm. mean so it's going to mean that you're going to reach different people yeah
2: that'd be an interesting taxi yes
0: it would (laughs) it would actually I've been in the same place with have I been in? Cause I was thinking he and I are very much alike you and you and I, Daniel. Um, and so I'm <laughs> like, yeah, it, it would be very interesting to have yeah. the three of you mm-hmm. in one place. Yeah.
1: So maybe oh, yes. some writer's conference in the future when we can mm-hmm. all meet up again. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, this brings us to one of our favorite questions that we like to ask. Have you ever made a mistake? That turned out to be a good thing.
2: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm always I'm always a bit weird with like the word mistake anyway because um, I or less, mistake is less he's for me learned, kind of, is kind yeah yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think the biggest the biggest thing that I can take away from sort of six six years of doing this now is um, genre swapping mm-hmm. uh, genre crossing ah. so I started off with a horror novella mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, I wrote a or well, co wrote a it was essentially a sci fi apocalyptic book and then we did a horror post-apocalyptic series and then I did another series that was horror slash adventure slash <laughs> <urban> <laughs> fantasy slash all these things um and it's only really been the last year or so that I've gone back to horror I'm going okay like here's where I'm planting my flag mm-hmm. I'm going to go forward these are this is the type of stuff that I want to write I want mm-hmm. to do and it's a error in the fact that you know it's taken a long time to actually build certain traction you know, in those because I thought people who liked my horror stuff would like the Mm post-apocalyptic stuff because it is quite dark, Mm -hmm. but they're very different genres and they have very different tropes and very different storylines to them. Um, And then similarly with the, the other series, which is more, it's got like sort of the urban fantasy twist. And I think it was a necessary journey. I had to go on to understand the types of books that I want to write, Mm -hmm. because they're all kind of within the same arena. So I can just about get away now with calling myself a dark fiction author Mm -hmm. and bringing those into, to me. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, it's 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 been a journey in getting to the point where I'm going, Okay, here's horror now. Here's where like I say, I plant my flag and pretty much all the books I write now are gonna be horror, they're all gonna be branded in a certain way because they're the people I wanna reach and I really wanna help build that audience. Mm -hmm. Um it's been very like it's building up again, but it's been sort of it was very stunted by all those different swaps. Mm -hmm. But it it was it was my journey. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a part of it that I I regret because I learned so much from each different project and each person I worked with. Um but I think for anyone who's starting fresh and if you know what you want your genre mm-hmm. to be from the beginning and, you know, you love fantasy, romance, you know, which, whichever, then try and keep on yeah. track if you can, because that is the, the quickest way to, to success. Yeah,
1: that's, that's great. But it sounds almost like you kind of needed to explore the different ones mm. to kind of narrow or to allow you to focus, maybe, I think. Like, yeah I've always yeah
2: I'm very uh
1: I've always yeah been, I'm very
2: like I'll look everywhere for opportunities yeah, yeah. and things and it's like if I hadn't have I probably would like I'd be itching yeah. to do that one
1: so, yeah kind of get it try it mm. and then lets you focus on one thing later maybe mm-hmm. give you gives you more of a focus ability to focus later like single yes job, definitely yeah
0: so what about the opposite like have you done something you thought this is gonna be a home run like I this is the best idea I've ever had and then it didn't quite turn out that way.
2: Yeah, so I um I tried to copy another author. Yeah,
0: well, there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like, and to be fair, there was there was sort of a credibility behind it, and I went into it with a very experimental mindset. But last year, I created um, it was a six episode horror serial, and the idea was that originally the the original idea was every two weeks I would release um, like a twenty thousand word episode mm-hmm. of this serial, pretty raw, like very very basic editing. Putting it out there with the idea of sort of tickling the Kindle algorithms, um, playing with that arena. Uh, because I had a friend who did that with fantasy and is now up to sort of episode under like twenty-five or something, and is doing very, very well from it. And I think the the big <laughs> the big takeaway from me is it's very hard to do with horror because fantasy traditionally serializing is easy because you got your your world building, you've always got mm-hmm. stories going off. In horror, the the protagonists tend to die, yes. <laughs> so.
1: Like, make it where do you go from mm-hmm.
2: there yeah it's it's very difficult so i, I went for it anyway Um i wrote uh, it was originally seven episodes but it kind of the story pulled it into six and you know it's it's tick- trickling by it's doing okay but it's nowhere near what i i thought it was going to mm-hmm. do um but you know me looking for the positive <laughs> of everything like it was one of those things where I'm glad I did yes. it and experimented with it. Um, what I'm interested to see now is that I'm going to be box setting that's, those six episodes into this sort of beautiful hardcover. I've got mm-hmm. a new cover for it. It's all going to be sort of re-edited and, and put into a definitive collection. And I'm very interested to see what that does because it's now pulled into sort of like a 130,000-word horror adventure. Wow. So we'll yeah. see. Um, but, yeah, it was. it was – I think the other side of that being a bit of a mistake was that <laughs> it was writing that – on top of doing a lot of other things mm-hmm. and i probably could have used that breathing time in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. to you know maybe rest yes. a yes
0: yes that's mm-hmm. exactly right so um are you like have you ever done that serialized thing like in a newsletter sort of thing or ha- like is a freebie to your newsletter or this is just something you've done um to sell on amazon
2: no so i've yeah i've done um like reader magnets and bits mm-hmm. and pieces i've got like for that for that serial, there is a prologue oh, that okay. is yeah. free for people to download to, to mm-hmm. lead people into mm-hmm. it. Um, and I do lots of giveaways with that, and sort of story origin, prolific works, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but no, generally for for news, that I I I'll be honest, I'm not writing too much of my own fiction at the minute because of time mm-hmm. constraints and other things that I'm concentrating on. Um, but it is something that I do want to do more of, even if it's just serializing short stories. Because I know things like you know Kindle Vella mm-hmm. uh, available yes, now for for yes. yes, different indeed. authors. Um. I do, I do really like that format. I think it was really interesting to write something that felt more almost like a TV episode as opposed to a completed Mm -hmm. work. So I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no uh, for doing that stuff in the future. I do like that Mm -hmm. format, but not right now.
1: Well, we wanted to talk to you also about um, on your podcast, you do with Sasha Black, the next level authors. Yes. So one of the episodes I was listening to, you talked about the mindset shifts you had to make. Um, when you took on the role of helping and teaching other authors and I'm just wondering if you could kind of tell us a little bit about how you had to frame it so that you were able to help people and
2: yeah yeah so I mean it was a big shift so I went full-time as an author in April 2019 and um, I was rapid release uh, i was writing um things with you know michael andley and the 20 books Mm -hmm. guys um and producing a lot of stuff and i kind of figured that fiction was all i'd need um so you know i kind of everything i was planning on was you know releasing these books bringing in those royalties playing the kindle the kindle game and just living off fiction because you know when you're surrounded by like dozens and dozens of people that are making it work it's it's awesome but like I said earlier what I came to realize was that rapid release model doesn't really work for me um I've played with it it's you know I can I I know that I can do it but it just wasn't really satisfying me and (laughs) to be honest i was getting to a point where my fingers were hurting um and yeah I started doing this podcast with Sasha uh I think the first episode launched April 2020 um and she's doing some awesome things in non-fiction she's got like all their craft books anatomy of prose sort of villains heroes all that kind of thing and she's just laid the foundation of have you thought about doing non-fiction and I thought about collaboration for authors had been on my mind for a while because of the people I was collaborating with and the processes that I've gone through and some of the hurdles that I saw people sort of struggle with and with the pandemic shutting everything down and, and me having a bit more time in my hands I was like okay I'll, I'll go for writing a non-fic see what happens again i'm writing for me it's quite a niche subject like whatever happens happens and i found that the actual process of writing non-fiction really really um cathartic because obviously when you're writing fiction you're constantly like putting yourself in the heads of other people so it's not always your voice and there's that mental taxation of you know constantly thinking about the next step whereas with this it was information just splurging onto the page and then from there i think my first big shift was i started listening i can't remember which podcast it was on but jenny nash from the author accelerator book coach program appeared and she was talking about different ways to help authors and like becoming a book coach and all that kind of thing and i ended up i'm not even exaggerating here i ended up binging about 30 different podcasts she had been on sort of in the next day or two just because something about her and what she did and what she was saying just resonated so badly with me because there are so many authors out there or you know sort of fledgling authors who are struggling with the process because no one teaches you how to write a book no one teaches you to go through the hardships of learning how to develop a personal brand and marketing and publishing and formatting and all that kind of stuff like people tend to stumble through that and i've seen a lot of people struggle on the way and it became it was one of those things where it spoke to me a lot and i was like you know i used to teach parkour i'm used to sort of that leadership role that educating um but am i the right person to do this because i really liked the idea of helping other horses but i just i literally was like but you don't know enough about craft you don't know this like in terms of like a formal education i haven't had it i'm very like experiential i've done i've done the things i've not learned the things if that makes sense and um I ended up uh, I, I had Jenny Nash on, on my podcast and after the podcast I ended up having a chat with her and I said I'm looking at taking your certification program because um you know I, I'm looking at this book coaching <laughs> she went on my Amazon profile and went but you have loads of novels like you you've done this like you have a podcast like the the other stories podcast gets I think something like 200,000 downloads a mm-hmm. week like you know what you, you know how to do this and it was one of those moments where because there isn't a formal education in terms of like book coaching or life coaching or some of these other a bit more um, conceptual ideas, you feel like you need that qualification. But I, I kind of took that and just went, OK, like experience Why I sit down, how am I going to think about this um, and labelled myself a book coach and got my first client and, and started coaching them and brought in another client. Um, and then a couple of months later, I started uh, what was the Nano boot bootcamp. So obviously, people I hope are familiar with Nano and how that works. But I took a group of authors for the month and coached them through that. Gave them daily motivation, sort of live Zoom sprints. Um, and I think the national, the international average for people who passed Nano from what I saw, was twenty five percent. And we had a seventy eight percent success rate in the group oh, that's itself. That's great. But even now, there is parts of me that struggles with the idea of like. Me giving people education, I helping them that that space because I'm just a guy. Right. I'm just a guy who you know, having been isolated in terms of writing books by myself for so long, I've learned it all. But I just like even this, like it's it's great talking to people on Zoom, but it's very different being like I'm just in my study, I'm in a room by myself in the UK, like miles from you guys. Mm -hmm, So that mental hurdle of, okay, am I the person who can deliver this? Am I the person to teach this? I think the biggest thing that but one of the biggest things that helped me step forward was looking at some of the other people I was around. So like in, in the Facebook groups, there were people that were struggling writing their first book or, you know, they've written their first book and they're struggling to sell it and putting myself in their shoes and just thinking like, if I saw someone like myself who has released X, Y, Z, what, what would I ask for them? What would I want for them? Like, would it be beneficial for them? Like if I was that person again, would it be beneficial for me to reach out and have those people? And the answer is absolutely because there's so much that there's only so much you can get from conferences and and courses and things that, you know, if you're sat down there and being like, I'm really, really struggling with this character arc, or I don't know how to sort out getting beta Mm -hmm. readers or, uh, or arranging cover, or or even just filling out a cover design brief, but you have someone there next to you able to go, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. That just saves loads of heartache and Mm -hmm. money because I've, I've got cover designs back that were rubbish before because I just didn't know what I was doing. So yeah i think it's it's a real journey and i'm still on it now kind of getting to the point where i'm i see myself and th- again i'm gonna hate myself for this because this is this is like live on air me having like a moment <laughs> but like i'm i'm terrified of arrogance mm-hmm. i'm terrified mm-hmm. of ego like negative ego so so the idea of i struggle to see me the way that other people see me mm-hmm. if that makes sense so like people in my writers group we're currently filming a um or putting together a trailer for the group itself just to show what it's like and to give people a real experience and so obviously within that comes testimonials from some of the group members and they're saying these lovely wonderful things about me and i'm sat there going i'm ha- like, I'm, I'm just a guy <laughs> like and it's, it's really weird to get over that but i think my only advice for anyone looking into getting to that arena is just start small just mm-hmm. if you've got a friend if you've got someone that's sort of struggling just like reach out see if it's helpful mm-hmm. um don't push yourself on people mm-hmm. uh, i tend to spend a lot of time listening to what other people are telling me mm-hmm. and then advising but never telling them what to do because the last thing I want to do is say you should go in this right. direction then right. it's their journey to go right. on yeah so yeah it's I mean there's a lot to it there's a lot to it but I'm very very happy with where I've gotten to now and in terms of the stuff that I offer that's growing at the minute I'm doing more with that and sort of really doubling down on what I can offer mm-hmm. people and for me it's it's just about how much value can I give to someone as long as I'm like I know that I'm giving someone something useful right. i'm happy moving forward right. with it.
0: yeah right yeah. that's great that's great that's, that is a huge mindset shift though um and i i do get that i think a lot of people struggle with that especially um nonfiction writers mm-hmm. um some don't some just jump right in yeah. but i think yeah. a lot of people do so you have a book coming out in june the self-publishing mm. blueprint is that correct Yes. So it, it walks beginners through the basics of self publishing. What are some of the most important things a new author sh- needs to know?
2: So, one thing that I don't think anyone really talks about is the psychology behind a book.
0: Mm.
2: And I don't mean to go like, I don't mean that like sort of super deep. I mean, just the literal psychology of making a book look like yes. a book. Because a lot of people, um, you know, they'll format things in Word themselves. They won't think about like the front matter, the, the cover won't quite be on, on with the genre. And readers pick mm-hmm. up on that. Readers mm-hmm. will know if they're like reading through an ebook, if something's slightly off, if something looks different to the 3,000 other books they've read in their lifetime, even though they might not consciously be thinking, oh, that's wrong, their brain will pick up on it. And then the rest of the story is, you know, open to, to suffering. <laughs> so, when it comes to formatting your book, when it comes to obviously um, editing and ensuring you don't have any typos, even just the um, layout of that, that front and back matter. So whether you've got like a dedication, a copyright page, have um, you got like a link to your other books, have you got like an afterword, all those kind of things, they matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so the, close, the closer I, <laughs> I remember, because my I came from sort of editing and like a bit of publishing as well. And I remember in the with my first book, I spent three days trying to pick the right font. I, I'm not even joking. That was, that was three days of me printing things off and going, "Is that the right one?" Only, for, only for KDP to go. We only accept six yeah. fonts. Okay, then Times <laughs> New Roman. Um, but like as simple as that. Like in the beginning, I was trying to be mm-hmm. different and and find something new. And but people don't people don't want different. They like that that familiar feeling that comes with reading a book because it's the story. It's not you know that's the, the font um so i think that's one big thing and again one of the biggest mistakes i've i've had people i work with make is that and mistake is you know it, it, it can go either way but if people who want to optimize their chances to be successful so i'm never going to say like you're going to write a book and it's going to sell but you can optimize everything to make it as possible to be successful um as you can and one thing a lot of people don't do it's just that initial market research. Mm. Um, is literally just okay. I want to write a sci-fi book, a, a, I don't know, like a space opera. Okay, so I've got a cool idea. What's the common point of view? What's the common tense? Yeah. Like when it comes to the cover, what do people expect to see? What's currently selling in the charts? Um, and you don't have to go hugely in depth with it, but just just take a look at the, sort of the top five. Read a few, see what it is that's resonating with fans. And then bear that in mind when you write your book rather than going, oh, I've got this really cool concept that no one's done before. And it's really twisty. And it might be. Um, But if you want to write a book that has the highest chances of being successful, then you just need to spend a day or two just getting familiar with what you're doing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, It's almost like you need to find like the best practices of your genre. And it Mm -hmm. it makes me think of years ago, um, I picked up a book and the blurb was written. Um, like bromance blurbs are written a lot. It was a mystery, but the blurb was mm-hmm. written like from her point of view and then his point of view. And at the yes. time I couldn't, I was like, mm. just I didn't, I didn't buy it because I thought, I don't think that's my kind of book, even though it was in the mystery section, but mm-hmm. the blurb didn't match the other books that I was reading. So it made me think it maybe yeah. not really a mystery. And so I didn't buy it. So I could yeah. figure out like what readers expect in the cover and blurb and interior mm-hmm. format and all that then then you're over like a yeah. big some hurdles that could keep, keep mm-hmm.
2: yeah. and getting feedback from people yes. actually in your yes address.
1: yes huge
2: like I, I i do see a lot of early writers getting sort of critiques from their mum <laughs> or their next door neighbor <laughs> or like a friend online and my question is always are they the reader you yep. want to reach yep. Because if they're not, then like, their advice is great, but it's, n- it's never going to be as good as what right. you need.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned your online writing group, and so we want to talk to you also about um, writing together, that y'all are doing sprints and how that's impacted productivity. And you said that it went really well during NaNoWriMo. So that's, is that a pattern you're seeing over and over?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we um, we did the November one, and that was just a one-off. And then people just asked for more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, what's interesting now, I've actually had a few people say that they can't work any mm-hmm. other way. And so to so explain how this kind of works, essentially how my groups run now is that um, on a Tuesday and a Thursday morning, UK time, from 11 till half 12, I open a Zoom room, whichever writers are in the group, come on. And then we'll sort of chat around for the first five minutes, just you know, see how people are, do a bit of a welcome And then I'll set a timer and I'll say, "Okay, for 20 minutes we work. And, you know, you hope that everyone's like gone to the toilet Mm -hmm. beforehand, made drinks beforehand. That 20 minutes is your time to sit down and work uninterrupted, knowing that if you look up and other people look at you, that you should be working to get back down. So it's kind of like soft peer pressure in a way, uh, but in a really, really friendly way. And then after that 20 minutes, we'll have a seven-minute break because five minutes was too short and 10 minutes Mm -hmm. was too long. Interestingly, we've we've, we've experimented. But we have a a seven-minute break in which we sort of chat, we go over any issues. So if someone says, okay, I'm struggling today, like this plot issue, or someone might be saying like, oh, I'm tackling my blurb. If I read this out, can I I get a bit of feedback? Um, And we just, however that conversation flows in that seven minutes, then we have 20 minutes, another seven minutes, 20 minutes and there's normally about 10 minutes at the end just for for questions and answers and, and, and chatting and things. And it's, it's just like, I think what a lot of people realize once they start tracking their own productivity and what they do is if you have a 90 minute slot, you're not going to work for the full 90 minutes anyway. You're going to get distracted. You're going to check your phone. You're going to go to the toilet, like you're going to get some food. And in this, you get a solid 60 Mm -hmm. minutes of that hour and a half in which you're actually working. And because you've shut everything else off, it kind of goes back to um are you you familiar with Cal newport's Mm -hmm, work mm -hmm.
1: yeah
2: it goes back to that concept of like just get into that. just one thing just get into it get it done pick whatever that thing is um and yeah i just seeing lots of people actually sort of like getting ahead in their books you had a couple of people in the group that have published their books since being a part of the group um saying that they don't know if they would have made that happen in the time that they have Mm -hmm. had some people drop out just to see if they can do it by themselves and then they come back into the group because you know it was harder Mm -hmm. like they could do it but it's harder and they enjoy that sort of camaraderie um we have like a private slack group where just throughout the week people are popping in like gifts and questions and problems and things um and that runs like i say tuesday and thursday morning and then i have what i call like open sessions Mm -hmm. so tuesday and thursday evening seven till nine like (laughs) weirdly i could point the camera i won't but i've got my laptop open now because it's like half eight o'clock or <laughs> half eight so I've actually got people on my writing group at the minute next to me <laughs> but I'm on mute so they can't hear me um but they're in a the group and they're just chatting and getting the work done yeah. uh, and then we have some open sessions at weekends as well but it's 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 just a mm-hmm. community it's just that that knowledge that you're writing with mm-hmm. other people who are in the trenches with you and going on that journey um we've got people that we're literally first time writers in NaNo, NaNoWriMo, but people that have published two or three books that are just happy to be a part of a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one lovely, lovely AD who joins me uh, every Tuesday from and it's like 3 a.m. where she is over in L.A. But she wakes up just to come on wow. to the the group for an hour and a half and then she goes back oh to bed. My gosh! Like it's it's amazing. And everyone is lovely. They're supporting. They're welcoming. We don't do a lot of um Sort of critical analysis mm-hmm. of of books, unless people specifically ask mm-hmm. to, because that's not that's not what I'm about. I don't want people to feel sort of like they have to prove right. anything. Um, and yeah, it's just supportive. Uh, we've got one girl that sometimes just paints or does poetry or just uses that time to be mm-hmm. creative. And it's really just for me, it gives me an opportunity to remember the earlier stages of my mm-hmm. my career and kind of like to see those problems. And that was actually how the the self publishing blueprint was birthed because a few of those those guys are really overwhelmed with not knowing what they don't know mm-hmm. when it comes to publishing. So they're like, Oh, what should I be doing mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, should I be doing this? And so I just wrote a book and went, here's like the basic principles mm-hmm. of what you should do. There's definitely more, mm-hmm. but this is enough to get you started right. and, and right. on the road. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's really sort of, it's transformed how I think how I see writing obviously for my author services. It's great because it informs a lot of what I'm doing and make sure I'm on the right track and actually helping people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it shows the power of community, mm-hmm. I mean, especially in mm-hmm. COVID times. I mean, I'm, mm, I know yes. that's <laughs> a huge boost for, for people to connect online and right? then just to be able to, and it's hard to find writers who are as dedicated. Uh, you know, like when I first started out, I would go to writing yes. groups and it would be people who are kind of hobby writers or they were not in my mm-hmm. genre. And so if you can find people who are on that same path as you are, It's just, it's a huge boost to productivity.
0: It's a lot. Absolutely. So Daniel, what would you say the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success is? Uh,
2: Just become myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's literally been been the biggest thing is just getting to a point where feeling comfortable enough to be myself on this journey. and And it has been a journey. And like, if people are sitting there early on and thinking like, oh, they've got nothing to offer or anything like that. My argument is... Every, everyone's got something to offer mm-hmm. come on like just just find what that thing is just put yourself out there like there's going to be some knockbacks but right the more the more you can share what is really you the more that's going to resonate with the right people that are then going to support you and that's how that community that network mm-hmm. is built so yeah just just stripping away the layers of trying to be an author mm-hmm. yeah. and just becoming mm-hmm. dan has been
0: that's great yeah my biggest thing yeah. that's yeah. wonderful yeah. that's great advice yeah it's excellent so it's hard
2: it is, it is <laughs> yeah. hard, <It> hard. <laughs> easy said than done mm-hmm.
1: yeah. well where can people find out more about you and your books and your author uh, services yes
2: yeah, so everything uh, that i'm doing is over at www.danielwilcox.com and that's wilcox which is w-i-l-l-c-o-c-k-s um the self-publishing blueprint comes out on june 11th um and i'm doing a limited edition paperback cover for the first seven mm-hmm. days and if people want to find out more about the writing group, uh, I'm doing a two week free trial for anyone that wants to join in. And that's over at that website as well.
1: Great. Awesome. All right. Well, we will have all those links in the show notes and thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah.
1: So you can find everything at wish I'd known then podcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast. Bye everybody. We'll see Bye. You Bye. Thanks for listening to the wish I'd known then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.